I have four classmates who arrived in St. Paul, Minnesota to study with us for years who are from Ghana. And it was a privilege to travel back as a contingent of classmates to uh, partake in their ordination some 11 years ago now. It was an incredible experience for many reasons, but one of the reasons was a journey we took to a distant part of the country. You arrive into the coastal city of Accra, and you then take another small prop plane almost to a city called Tamale. And then from Tamale, you get in a bus, and you take a bus north until you get to Navrogo, Bogotanga. And then from there, we all split. And we went different ways according to the four different priests, and we would go visit their homes and have their first masses with them. And I was grateful to travel with my friend Peter uh, to his home. And to get to his home, we had to get into a four-wheel truck, four-wheel drive truck, and uh, traverse land that, I don't know, kind of imagine uh, if you have been out to, like, you know, your home, if you've been out in, like, cattle country, imagine, like, not even being on the roads anymore. Like, you're, you're like, in the la- you're on the land. So that's eventually what we were doing, is we were just, like, driving across. Um, it, it's not the Sahara, but that's the easiest way for you to understand. Like, we're just driving. And we come to this sort of outcropping, this home, I guess, uh, but it's all like a hut. It, it, was, it, it was a hut, and thatched roofs exactly what you imagine. Uh, and when we get there, we get out of the truck, and we come over to this area, and there's this thatched roof with some poles and like a, a seat that sits about 12, all kind of looking in the same direction. And on this were 12 men, or somewhere in there. I don't know that it was 12, but there was a bunch of guys sitting on this thing. And they were there to welcome us. And it was really quite the experience. I mean, it was even, it wasn't like all fancy like Survivor, but it felt like Survivor a little bit. Like (laughs) the tribal council is here. uh, And so we began then this journey and they took us through the place and they shared with us their life. And uh, it it was amazing. And I remember feeling so welcomed by their presence. And it was the beginning of a really incredible time to be with all of them. And they were waiting for us. And it reminds us in this season of Advent the dynamic of Christian waiting, that there is a waiting that happens in all of life. And we can experience that even right now, you know, those of you who have to wait until Wednesday. Right? Maybe some of your friends are already packed up and at home, and they don't have to wait anymore to see their family. But we have to wait. And some of you, I know, it's like, well, I'm just waiting till tomorrow morning, and then I'm like already packed, and I'm getting out of town. Right? I remember famously one time after I bio 101 final, my car was already packed, and we were like proud that we didn't even have to go back to our dorm to leave Vermillion. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. I don't like waiting. Waiting is not natural for a person who lives in this world. But a person who lives aware that God is in this world begins to live differently and starts waiting. And the Israelite people were a people who were always waiting. 
They were waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting to be freed from their circumstances. They were waiting to get out of the grasp of slavery. They were waiting. And in that journey of waiting, they moved all over, but moved in a way that they knew they were awaiting someone. They were waiting him. They were waiting the Messiah. However, in that journey, they didn't know what he would look like. They had the prophets who foretold different dynamics. But the more they emphasized one dynamic, the more they'd end up thinking he was coming in a certain way and they'd be wrong. The more they emphasized a different dynamic, then they'd think he was going to come in this way and they'd be wrong. But they knew that they had to wait for something they needed, but they couldn't produce on their own. And so too for us. That yes, the fulfillment of the Israelite people came in Bethlehem. But there are three comings of the Lord. And the first has happened. And the Israelite people in their fullness of what they wanted was given. But the final coming, the final thing we're waiting for is the end. For his return. And all of us continue to wait for that. But for the Christian, there's a middle waiting. There's a middle point. And it's the coming of the Savior now. It's the fact that the one who was born in Bethlehem wants to be born in you. The one that we're waiting for at the end of time doesn't want to wait to encounter you. Last night, chatting with a couple of you, someone said to me about getting together and different events and things that are going on. All of the events that happen at the Newman Center are just a means for the event to happen. All of the events that happen at the Newman Center are a means for the event of the birth of God to happen. And whether it is that we come to Mass, whether it is that we're playing games in the lawn, whether it is that we're eating food on Thursday night, all of the events, all of the movement, all of the things aren't ends in themselves. They're like John the Baptist's, the thing that comes before. The reason that we're gathered in a way and he happens. And the more we recognize that we can't make him happen for ourselves and we can't make him happen for others, the more that the freedom and joy that God has already come to us is alive and attracts and makes other people see something that maybe we don't see. And it isn't just merely a way to get people to encounter Jesus Christ. Because after we've encountered him, we need him again. And I haven't woken up one day in my entire life and not had a sense of like, Jesus, if you don't come today, and to the degrees with which I'm in a pit, or the degrees with which I've had an amazing experience, or the degrees to with which I'm like, do it again. I need out of this place. Come again. 
And for those that haven't experienced this, for those that don't know him, for those that the event seems distant or something for holy people, we're here. That's why we're here, is to say that the second birth is worth waiting for. How many people don't believe God exists? I don't believe it's because they've been listening to atheists. My suspicion is they've waited and waited and waited and nothing's happened. And eventually they just think, I think this whole thing isn't real. But after you've met him, then it sends you on a journey in a totally different way to explain what happened and what it is that you're a part of. And it's worth waiting for. It's worth befriending. It's worth staying with circumstances that maybe seem like you want out of when you know that God doesn't want out. God wants in. And so this is the reason with which he has come. And he wants not only into this world that happened at his first coming, but he wants in to each of you, which is why we're here. It took me a little while. I don't remember if it was at the end of the night or if it was the next morning after that incredible experience with Father Peter and his family. But a thought occurred to me. It took us all day to get to that little hut. How did they know when we were going to get there? There were no cell phones or radios or walkie-talkies. And that perplexed me at the... How'd they know? Like they were ready. They were waiting when we got there. As if like 10 minutes before they all said, Hey, everybody, we see them on the horizon. Shape up. So I asked my friend, I said, Peter, how did they know when we were coming? I said, oh, Father, they were sitting there all day waiting for you. The incredible miracle of meeting God is it happens in a moment. But after we've met him, we experience an awareness that he was always there. Have patience, for God is already near.